0: Well, if you would mind to take your copy of the word of God and look with me in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, and we're on Ecclesiastes chapter number 10, Ecclesiastes chapter number 10, Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. We're going through this book. wonderful book, the conclusion of the whole matter inside of the book of Ecclesiastes. Remember the theme of it is that Solomon is looking back at the end of his life and he is taking an honest review. The last 10, 15 years of his life, he did not live his life regard to God. Now he was smart and he had access to a lot of things and he's drawing a conclusion that life without God is empty. It's vanity. And as we come to the last several chapters, they become more and more practical because of an observation of seeing that life is empty without regard to God. We now come to the wisdom part of the book where it starts making the practical application because of this conclusion what is it that we should do with our life? What is the conclusion of the whole matter? How is it that we can have our life not empty? And we find this thought continued in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter number 10. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. Notice with me starting at verse 1. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apocryphy to sit send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly in him that is in, a reputa- that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Yea, also when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him. And he saith to everyone that he is a fool. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark the first two words found in chapter number 10? Ecclesiastes chapter number 10 and verse 1, notice the phrase, dead flies. Dead flies. Now flies is, (laughs) this expression is not one we would say, well, this has got to be a great Bible message. The idea of dead flies. It's not something that we enjoy. I think, um, oh, just memory just failed on me, forgive me. But there are actually several hundred species of flies that scientists have have, uh, identified. Now, I'm from the South. Uh, From the South, flies are everywhere. And we have our greatest weapon of a fly swatter. You just do everything you can. Up here, it's not as big of a deal as a fly thing. But uh, in the South, flies are everywhere. And they just get into everything. And there's a constant battle against the flies. And <clears throat> one of the things that you would see all the time is dead flies. Whether they were in the, uh, in the um, uh, window seal, you'd see the dead flies just laying there. Or maybe there were some that got caught in your car and you'd have dead flies all over the dash and you'd have to constantly clean that up with the dust. Flies would die. And so here it's doing a comparison. It's talking about life without regard to God, life without thinking about God. And it says that we, having a life without regard to God, is like dead flies cause the ointment of the apocryphy to send forth a stinking savor. Notice that word apocryphy. The apocryphy here carries the idea of one who makes perfumes or beautiful fragrances. Now, especially back then in the ancient world, uh, perfumes and fragrances was a very big deal. Uh, They didn't have deodorant. They didn't have some of the other things. So what they would do is that they would have something burning, incense and whatnot to help kind of make a sweet savor. And they would have a little different concoctions that they would have with it. And as these perfumes were very expensive, but yet they were part of the necessary thing. If a dead fly would get inside of the ointment, it would actually change the mixture. And instead of having something sweet and savorful, you would have something that would be ruined because there's a dead fly in the mix. If you could imagine maybe a different illustration, a dead fly in your soup, wouldn't it just ruin the whole thing, finding a dead fly in your soup? It would change everything. It would make it so even if you took the fly out, it still wouldn't be edible. It wouldn't be what you would like to eat. It ruins everything. So what is this tying into? What is this carrying the idea Well, we know that as believers, that we are supposed to give off a sweet savor towards the Lord. In fact, let me just show you just one passage where it deals with this. Ephesians chapter number (coughs) five. Ephesians chapter number five. We're coming back to Ecclesiastes. In Ephesians chapter number five, what we have is... (coughs) God's perspective of us. And he deals with this in Ephesians chapter 5 towards the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5. And Ephesians chapter 5, and notice with me in verse number 1, it says, "...be therefore followers of God as dear children." And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. And then it goes on and talks about what can ruin that sweet uh, smelling savor. So if you can imagine in your mind that we as believers need to give off a sweet uh, smelling savor, that if you could imagine just looking at God's perspective, that we... God can smell us. And that when we're following close to God, because we're more like Christ, we have a sweeter, a better smelling savor. That God likes to be around us. Again, doing the comparison, we like to be around things that smell good. Whether it's someone who's cooking good stuff and you like to smell it, or maybe freshly baked cookies, or Apple pie that's in the oven. You you have those smells uh, <clears throat> to be able to have um, like a potluck like we had last week, and to be able to have those smells permeating. Those are good smells. Those are, those are smells you like to have. That's why we today have candles. We don't have candles for the purpose of lighting a room or for heat. We have candles for the idea of luxury. That we have candles all around, just to purpose of making a sweet say. We like good smells. Well, if you can imagine that everything that we do in our life emits a smell to God. When we're close to God, we smell good. When we're close to the Lord, it smells good to him. He wants to be around that. He loves to be, have us around because of that smell. However, when we mess up, when we act foolishly, when we have a little folly, what happens is that it's like a fly in that ointment. A fly in the midst of that smell. And now we don't smell good to God anymore. Now it's at the place where is again looking at God's perspective, trying to give a relation. To it. Now God doesn't want us to be close to him anymore because we don't smell good. And you can understand that. If you had something that smelled like rotten garbage, you don't want that in your house. To open a refrigerator that had something spoil and just Open it up and you don't want that. It doesn't smell good. You don't want to be around it all the time. And so everything we do in our life emits a smell, a savor. And when we are close to the Lord, it smells good. But when we go away from the Lord, when we try to do it from ourself, when we're full of pride, it stinks to God. And God doesn't want to be close to us. God doesn't want to be around us. Again, back to Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. Notice what it says Dead flies cause the ointment of the apocryphy to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly that is in him in reputation for wisdom and honor. If you don't mind, let's just go through three different areas that cause us to stink before the Lord. Three different areas that we can do in our own life that can cause a fly to be in the ointment, to cause it so that way our fragrance is no longer good smelling, no longer in God's perspective, in God's sight, a smell that he wants to be around. If you don't mind, the first thing that we want to see here in the text is disregarding God, Dis regarding God. Notice again in verse one, dead flies cause an ointment in the apocryphy to send forth a stinking savor. So, so notice that word, so it's connecting this. What is it that can cause us to have this stinking savor, to have a fly in the ointment, to ruin the smell that we have before God? So doth a little folly or foolishness him that is in reputation for wisdom and in honor. A wise man is at his right hand, but the fool's heart is at his left hand. Yea, also when he he that is a fool walketh by this way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. What we see here, so when (coughs) this idea of a fool is simple definition is someone who doesn't give regard to God. So a fool is someone who has a habit, a life of not giving regard to God. Now we could also make foolish decisions. What is a foolish decision? A decision where we don't put God in our equation. We try to do it ourselves. We do it off our own calculations, or our own pride. So what we see here is that when we decide that even though we may be saved, that we decide to go about it without regard to God, we put a fly in the ointment. We now stink before God. So imagine that you decide you're going to live your day without praying because you're not praying. You're not dependent upon God because you're trying to live life yourself in that moment, in that time, you stink before God. It's a fly in the ointment. When you try to live your life in that day of not reading your Bible, not spending time in God's word. You're trying to live your life in your own strength and your own power. You stink before God. When you live your life as if God doesn't exist, you stink before God. When we worry and we fret as if God doesn't care for us, we stink before God. This is folly. This is foolishness. And it messes everything up. Notice again at the end of verse 1. So is a little folly in him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Notice that if you had someone, even who had a reputation of wisdom and honor, whenever they live their life or make a decision without regard to God, it's a fly in the ointment. It messes everything up. That before God... Now... (laughs) It helps when we're able to look at things from God's perspective. Because in our perspective, we think that we can get by. When we look at things in our perspective, we say it's not that big of a deal. But it is. If you ever had a fly in your soup, it is a big deal. It is a very big deal. We think it's small until it messes up our meal. Mm -hmm. We think it's small until it makes a bad scent in our... We don't realize how bad we stink before God because we try to do things ourselves, We try to do things in our own power. We try to do things without God's help. We try to do things without even including God in our equation. This is foolishness. We're disregarding God. We're taking God out of the equation. When we live this way, there is no beautiful Christ honoring savor put off in our life. We stink because we're gathering dead flies and living as if there is no God. What is one of the first ways that causes the way that we smell before God? Disregarding God, not putting God part of our equation, which is the big deal here. Notice if you don't mind, there's a second thing. We see doubting the consequences of sin. Doubting the consequences of sin. Now when chapter 10 verses one through three, it uses the word fool quite a bit. Let's notice and see the idea of fool or anything that deals with him. Verse number one, dead flies cause the anointment of the apocryphy to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly, that's foolishness, him that is in reputation of wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, But a fool's heart is at his left. Verse number two carries the idea that a wise man is going to do right things. A fool is always going to veer off the other direction. Verse number three, yea, also when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. In verse number three, it says we can identify as a fool because he keeps making foolish decisions. He keeps going the wrong way and wisdom faileth him. You're like, what are you thinking? His actions and the consequences of his actions show that he's a fool. We see here, doubting the consequences of sin. All throughout the book of Proverbs, it says quite a bit about a fool. In fact, let's just look at a couple things if you don't mind. Notice if you don't mind in Proverbs chapter number 12. Proverbs chapter number 12. We spent a lot of time in Proverbs this year. Proverbs says quite a bit about this idea of a fool. Notice in (coughs) Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15. Proverbs 12 and verse 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkened the counsel is wise. The idea of a fool is that the way that a fool is, is right in his own eyes. He thinks he's doing what's right. He's not regarding the consequences of his actions. I can do this and get away with it. I can do this and it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. If it changes the way that you smell before God, it changes your interactions with God, your closeness to God. God wants to be close with you, but just as if you smell like garbage, nobody wants to be around you. You stink before the Lord. Proverbs 14. Notice with me, if you don't mind in Proverbs 14. The book of Proverbs 14 in verse number nine. Proverbs 14 verse nine, it says this. Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Notice fools make a mock of sin. Mocking sin is failing to hold sin in its proper uh to be able to see that there are consequences for sin. Oh, I could do this and get away with it. Oh, I could do whatever I want. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. Whether you're trying to do what's right in your own eyes or fools say, I could do this and get away with it. It's not that big of a deal. I could handle the consequences. It's not that big of a deal. It is. When we doubt the consequences of sin, we come to the idea of foolishness. Dead flies begin to gather when we doubt these consequences of sin. Wisdom gives man discernment. What is discernment? Discernment is not just seeing where you're at. It's seeing where you're going. Where does it lead? Where does it go? Well, sin always has a consequence. We should always see what is this going to do? Where is this going to bring me? How is this going to affect me? We don't realize how bad the consequences of sin is because oftentimes we are expecting lightning to hit us from the sky. And when it doesn't, we feel like we've gotten away with it, but we don't realize that the consequences may be subtle, but they may be there. Remember what it said in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, that when wisdom faileth the fool, that everyone knows, everyone looks at him and sees when someone starts saying, well, I'm not going to bother with the consequences. I don't care about the consequences. What happens is that maybe it's something as subtle as God removing his hand of favor from that person. And now that person has less influence. And now people don't care what they have to say. Isn't that a horrible thing for a Christian? When someone can talk and talk and talk and people like, shut up. I don't want to hear what you say. It's not that big of a deal. It doesn't matter. Well, remember, that's one of our biggest ways of influence. If we're at the place where no one wants to listen to us, that's a big consequence. By the way, why should anyone listen to us? It's not me. It's because of what Christ has done. It should be that the type of life that I live, that people want to hear about my God and how my God is real. But when we don't regard to the consequences, sometimes it affects other people because I have consequences in my life because I have sin in my life, those consequences may hit other people and affect them. Does it make sense? And it may show up somewhere else. And we don't take regard that everything we do has a consequence. Sometimes it's subtle. But if nothing else, this helps us to understand that everything that we do has a consequence so much that it affects our relationship with God, which should be for a Christian a very big thing. Our desire should be close to the Lord, but when we're not close to the Lord, that is a big consequence to be removed from God's presence for have God where he doesn't want to be with us. He doesn't want to stay with us. It becomes a big deal when we start collecting these dead flies to be able to understand that our influence is gone. That's a big deal. When we start stinking not only to God, but when we stink to other people around us, that's a big deal. It is amazing that even preachers, I could <laughs> I'm gonna use that as illustration, preachers are supposed to be people that like each other and like to be around them. But every once in a while there's a preacher that will show up that stinks. Not because they haven't taken a shower, but just because they're foolish. And They want to talk about themselves and whatnot. And people could tolerate that. But to get to the place that even in a preacher's meeting, when a preacher comes in who's lost influence, who stinks before the Lord, that even the people say, well, we don't want to be around them. They scatter. Isn't that horrible? Now, I'm saying if that could happen to a preacher, imagine other people. That, again, as good, kind, compassionate Christians, we could nod our head and smile, but go, oh, man, This stinks. I just can't can't wait to get away. We don't need to be that type of person where people want to get away from us. It should be a type of sweet savor, not only to the Lord, but others want to be around us. Others want to hear about us. Others want to hear about what the Lord has to say. We should have a sweet savor. We should have a type of thing, (laughs) again, a visual illustration that the Bible's given to us. It's given to us something simple. We could all understand dead flies. We could all understand the idea of a smell. We could all understand that our, our actions have a consequence and that everything we do either draws us closer to the Lord or draws us further away. Everything we do either causes us to smell better spiritually or to smell worse spiritually. Everything we do has a consequence But a foolish person doesn't care about the consequences, makes a mock at sin, doesn't, thinks that what he is doing is right and it doesn't matter. And now people don't want to be around him. And if people don't want to be around us, imagine that God saying, oh, that stinks. I want you to be close, but I can't stand the smell. God wants us to be close. You know, there's a third thing that the Bible mentions that causes us to stink, that causes us to collect dead flies. Not only disregarding God, not only doubting the consequences of sin, but desiring what is not ours to have. Desiring what's not ours to have. With this, let's look at the teaching of Jesus in the Gospel record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke chapter number 12 Here Jesus is dealing with a crowd. and In the middle of a crowd, a guy comes up pushing his way and he starts to ask Jesus a question. Notice if you don't mind. In the gospel record of Luke chapter number 12. And notice with me in verse number 13. The gospel record of Luke chapter 12 and verse number 13. And one of the company, so one of the people that's in the crowd, said unto him, Jesus, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he, Jesus, said unto him, Man, who made you me a judge or divider among you? So this guy gets up, and Jesus is teaching important messages, and this guy gets up, he just can't stand it anymore. Jesus, will you tell my brother to share? Uh, it's not the appropriate place, but he just is can't think of anything that Jesus is saying. He's only thinking about his brothers taking all my inheritance. He's taking everything. It's not right. Jesus, make him share. Uh, we hear this in our household. If you have more than one kid, mom, they're not sharing with me, mom. <laughs> And Jesus is like, why are you bringing this to me? This should be something you settle to yourself. But the problem is, is not that the kid is not sharing or the guy is not sharing. They're full-blown adults. Notice what Jesus points out in verse number 15. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things which he possesseth." Jesus is going to give a parable in a second, but notice what he says, beware of covetousness. What is covetousness? Covetousness is desiring something it's not God's will for you to have. Covetousness. By the way, this is one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. What is covetousness? Covetousness is desiring something it's not God's will for you to have. We live in a very covetous society. That's why commercials are so effective. They're reaching our covetousness to desire something that's for not God's will for us to have. Whether it's something simple as a cheeseburger that we see, a flame broiled Whopper, when you see the commercial, now you just want to go get something to eat. Or my neighbor got a new vehicle, so now I want a new vehicle. My neighbor's got an upgrade of the house, so now I want an upgrade of the house. We're not satisfied with what God has given to us. By the way, why is covetousness a big deal? Covetousness bypasses God and tries to make us take care of things ourselves. That we're not satisfied with what God has given to us, nor are we dependent upon God for God to supply what we need. Covetousness gets us to the place where we're desiring something that we currently don't have or what someone else does that's not God's will for us at this specific moment to have. And covetousness is something that we just have all the time. Desiring something that's not ours to have makes us dissatisfied, makes us where we're no longer content, makes it so we're more anxious, that we're more anxiety, more worried, more uh, unsettled, less peace, All of that puts a stink to have someone who's not satisfied, someone who's always complaining. You know, we all have family members like this. Maybe you're one of those family members, but we all have family members or people around us that all they talk about is things that they don't have. Well, I want this and I need to have this and I need to get this and I need to have this and I wish I had this and if I could have this and if I, and that's what they want to talk about all the time is what they don't have. And what they think they should have. And what they think they deserve. And if it stinks to us, imagine how bad it smells to God. That we're not satisfied or not dependent upon the Lord enough to trust him. To give us what we need and what we should have. Now we have a good God who gives good gifts to his children. What does that mean? The word gifts there is going beyond what we need. He gives us things that we don't deserve just because he loves us. We have a good God he's not stingy. He's very liberal. He loves to give good gifts to his children. If they would just ask, he'd be glad to do it. Isn't it amazing when we get to the idea of covetousness that we complain about what we don't have, but we very rarely take it to the Lord in prayer and say, God, would you give it to us? And it stinks before God because he is a providing God who wants to take care of us, who wants to give us good things. Let's just say that your car is starting to break down. It's much easier to complain about your car not working than it is to take the time to pray to God and say, God, would you supply and I can trust you. When your house starts needing repairs, it's much easier to complain about all the things that's breaking down than to spend time with the Lord saying, God, can you please supply and I trust you. This covetousness. Notice what Jesus goes on to say. Notice with me as he gives a parable in verse 16. And he, Jesus, spoke a parable unto them, the crowd, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he, this man in this parable, thought that within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no more room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast done much, give much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So in this account here, this man had been blessed. And he had been blessed so much that he says, you know what? I need bigger barns. I need more things to hold all my blessings. And so this is what I'm going to do is I'm going to tear down what I have. I'm going to build up. I'm going to expect God to fill it up or uh, not expect God. I'm going to fill it up myself. I'm going to bestow this. I'm going to show how great I am. But notice the personal pronouns. I, I, me, me, mine, mine. He even speaks to thine, my soul, thy barns. Notice all the personal pronouns. When you get to the idea where you are saying personal pronouns all the time, may I say that you stink before the Lord? Because it's part of this covetousness, you're only thinking about you. You're not dependent upon the Lord, you're just seeing you. And you begin to stink before the Lord. I'm not going to turn there, but in the book of Job, you have a man <laughs> you have Job's three friends that came to encourage him. He says, Miserable comforters you are. But they kept trying to convince Job that if he would just confess to God that God would cure him and whatnot. Towards the end of it, you had a young man who was just waiting to speak, and he says, I was waiting for you guys to get done. I see that you're old fools. Let me show you my wisdom. And as he begins to speak for the next couple chapters, I, 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 me, me, me. It's painful to listen to, especially if you have someone to read it out loud and just imagine and think about this man and, and to hear what he's saying. Even today, it is very hard for us human, human wise to think about or to be around someone who's constantly I, 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 me, 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 my, my, my. Now again, if it's painful and hard for us, and it stinks before us, how much more does it stink before the Lord? Because it's covetousness. It's just looking at me. It's not giving regard to God. It's not thinking about what God could do. As we continue on in the book of uh, Luke chapter 12, Jesus is giving this parable. So you have this rich man who who was blessed, tore down his barns, and was planning to rebuild that he was going to be satisfied. Notice with me, Luke chapter 12 and verse 20. But God said unto him, thou fool. Now remember, we're tracing this idea of fool, of someone not giving regard to God, not looking at God. Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So here Jesus is calling this man a fool because of his covetousness, because of his selfishness, because he's just looking at himself and what he has and what he wants to have and what he should have. It's all about him. Now, remember in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, where we started off with God said dead flies, that everything we do puts a sweet savor to God or makes us stink before God's presence. And God is tracing these things down. These three areas where we don't give regard to God and we end up stinking in God's sight. That as much as God wants to be close to us, he cannot because we stink. That we have to be set apart. He, he, he puts his presence. He doesn't get close to us. He doesn't snuggle us close. You know, you imagine a child who has his favorite childhood toy. All right, give an example, forgive for the crudeness. Let's just say they got sick one night and they threw up all over their special animal. They still want that animal close to them, but it's hard because the thing needs washed, right? I mean, as much as they would like to, we know (laughs) you can't, it stinks too much. You know, for those of you who had kids, you remember those days where that happened. Now you have to go take the time to wash that toy and to make sure it's cleansed and whatever as much as God wants us to be close, he wants us snuggled up. If we smell because of our foolishness and not giving regard to God, God has to keep a distance as much as he'd like to be close. Again, what were these areas here where we've been gathering dead flies, making us stink before the Lord? the idea of disregarding God, not even putting God in your equations. The idea of doubting the consequences of sin, where we're not uh, thinking about the things that we do always has a consequence or desiring what is not ours to have. The idea of covetousness. These are three areas that spiritually makes us stink. That God wants to be close to us, but our actions cause us to stink. And enough stink that we can spiritually smell it on other people. We don't want to be around them. We don't want them to be close to us because they stink. Again, this all shows that God wants us to be close. And we need to be very cautious and very aware of everything we do has consequences. And it may be subtle. And some of the subtle things is that we're not close to God anymore because we stink. How do you solve the stink? How do you solve it? Well, let me show you what the Bible has to say. Turn with me to 1 John chapter one. What can I do about it? How can I change this? Well, notice with me, if you don't mind, 1 John, end of your Bible, 1 John chapter one. And notice with me in verse number nine. First John chapter one and verse nine, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what we have here is a spiritual bath that when we stink so much, you know what you need? You need to be cleansed. Yeah. You need to be washed clean. You need to be done. Remember, this is spiritual, that God He needs us to be cleansed off, to wash thoroughly. And God can do that. What's our part? We confess our sin. The word confession carries the idea that we agree with God. Lord, I agree with God that what I've done is wrong. I agree with you that I haven't been putting you in my equation, putting you in my calculations. I agree with you, Lord, that I have sinned and those things need to be taken. I agree with you that I've been covetous and I haven't been satisfied with what you provided. haven't been dependent upon you. In order to erase that stink... We need to be cleansed. We need to be scrubbed clean. And God offers it up to us. We just have to go to him and say, God, cleanse me. I'm wrong. You're right. And God is willing to wash us clean to make us so we're um, (coughs) snugly fresh. That we smell good again, spiritually. And we need to have that bath. Now, (laughs) we know that we have a lot of ladies in here, but for the men, let me tell you, that you need to wash your sheets every now and again, right? Mm -hmm. I know that some guys who are left to their own devices will have the same sheets on their bed until it's threadbare, until there's holes on there. Then they'll just change the sheets with something new. Well, (laughs) ladies, you know better, those things need to be washed, right? Or teenagers who, uh, who wear their socks until they stand up. Those things need to be cleaned. Back in my day, Um, What people used to joke, what people used to do is they'd wear their hoodie or their sweater until it got dirty on the outside and then they turn it inside out and then they wear it the other way. (laughs) Now we laugh at that now, but we understand that everything needs washed. Everything needs cleansed. Even you. Not only do you need a shower physically, often, daily, we also need to be spiritually cleansed, often, daily. So we don't stink. I'm so thankful that we have a good God who wants us to be close with us, that he's even provided a spiritual way for us to be cleansed. So we don't stink anymore. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, Ecclesiastes chapter 10 has this expression, dead flies. As dead flies in the ointment. That we want to smell good. And not have ourselves ruin our testimony and our witness ruined. Because of dead flies that have been gathered up. Because we haven't been given regard to God. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for this great spiritual illustration that we had this morning to be able to understand that everything that we do has consequences, that everything that we do can either brings us closer to you or by default makes us so you want to set us further apart because we stink. Lord, I'm asking that you would give us grace and that you would give us mercy. Help us to be cleansed. Help us to go and have spiritual cleansing all the time, keeping short accounts with you. Lord, thank you for this great principle. And we do love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.